I'm going to invite you to stand at this time for the reading of God's word. We're going to read from Mark chapter 1, verse 40, all the way to chapter 2, verse 17. So a good bit of scripture, all of it for our good and for the Lord's glory. But three different scenes, we'll take them all in together, beginning in Mark 1, verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Now when he returned to Capernaum, after some days it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. He was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, My son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to him, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise up, your be- rise, rise, take your bed. I'll get it in a moment. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. But what you may know, but that you... Let me take a breath. That you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. He rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting on the tax booth, and said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. He reclined at table in his house. Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his power. Thank you for his compassion. Thank you for his clarity. And pray as we look at, broadly speaking, three scenes, we come to you as those who need a physician. We come to you as those who are sick and need a physician. Work for our good, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We may be seated. Here's our game plan. We read a passage of scripture that oversaw three different scenes. And so what we're going to do today is sort of a broad view of the three scenes. And then in the succeeding weeks, we'll take each scene one at a time and get a little bit more uh, detailed about them. It was like when we were in Boston with our family not too long ago, we went up on the really high floor, I can't remember, I think it was like the 57th floor of the Prudential Center, and from that vantage point, you could walk around the perimeter, and you could see the harbor, 
you can see the different areas, and you can kind of take it all in at once. Well, what we're going to do this morning is uh, go up on the 57th floor of Mark chapter 1, a little bit of chapter 2, and look broadly speaking, what is it that we can see from this vantage point of Jesus, and then we'll go to the ground floor in the coming weeks and get on a street level, so to speak, about these things. Well, as most preachers would tell you, I have three points, and here are my three points. From the 57th floor, we're going to see Jesus' power as it is established, Jesus' purpose as it is explained, and Jesus' presence as it is enjoyed. Let's start here at this first scene, and we can't get through the first phrase of chapter 40 without something shocking happening. First three words, and a leper. Now, before we get to the verb, you already see what the verb is, but in that time and place, uh, here are some verbs that might come into play. And a leper ran away, a leper hid, a leper withdrew. All of those would be expected, but that's not the word we get here, is it? In fact, in Luke's gospel, his account of this same scene, the leper is described as a man full of leprosy. In other words, it's reached the end game. It's not gradually getting worse. It's at the point where it's almost over. And that leper, full of leprosy, our Bible says, came to him. This phrase is powerful, isn't it? Do you know that Jesus is approachable? It's good news, right? Whatever darkness or whatever stronghold or whatever discouragement you might be in today, remember Jesus' works in the physical world always have spiritual applications. And so here we have a man who is prone, all the experience of his life is to withdraw from people, and he's coming, and he's not just coming to somebody, he's coming to Jesus. Now in that time and place, lepers were required to stay at least 50 paces away from the next human being, unless the other human being was what? A fellow leper. That's why they got into what they're called leper colonies, right? And often would live in caves and live far removed from cities and, and, and places where, of course, the population was gathered. It was believed that leprosy was highly contagious by touch. It was against the law even to greet a leper. Not that there were probably many volunteers eager to do that. But the reasons are obvious. It's perceived that it was contagious and that that time and place there was no known cure. I mean, you've got leprosy, you were a leper, and that was going to be the way that you would gradually, grimly, but most certainly die. Therefore, you probably already know this, wherever they went, lepers were required to put a hand over their mouth. And what were they required to do? They were required to shout out. Think about this word. Unclean. Think about the weight of that word. What does the word imply? Think about the loneliness, right? For, for your family's own well-being and because of your love for them, what would you do? You would withdraw from them, from your wife or your husband or your children, your grandchildren, your friends. You would begin to withdraw from them. And everywhere you go, have to warn anyone else of your presence. Can you imagine that existence, to be everywhere unwelcome, to be isolated, ostracized, to be humiliated, to see parents with their children saying, don't go near, right? To be cut off, to never see your family again for their well-being, you would do it. 
Well, that's the emotional hardship of leprosy, and already that's a heavy toll, isn't it? We haven't even mentioned the physical adversity that was likewise awful. Again, in the original language of Luke, his account that this is a man who was full of leprosy. Leprosy affected everything. It attacked the skin, the blood, the bones. It attacked the nerves so that you lost feeling. In fact, the appearance that lepers had was mostly due to the fact that they'd lost the ability to feel. So they would get burned or they would cut themselves or be involved in accidents and sometimes they didn't even know it. And because they had lost feeling, they would unwittingly injure themselves. Leprosy affected the vocal cords. It attacks the vocal cords so that your voice became guttural and just fit the whole scene of just awful. Leprosy affected and diminished your eyesight. So if we're here tracking along together, we've studied verse by verse through the Gospel of Mark. So far, we've seen a, Jesus ministering in two places. The synagogue, right? Went in the synagogue, and on that Sabbath, he preached, cast out demons, a work of great power. And the next place he went was to Simon Peter's house. So it's such a blessing as I was reading this passage. Guess what? Those are two places the leper can't go, right? Leprosy made him ceremonially unclean. He's not allowed in the synagogue. And he also wouldn't enter anybody's house. But do you want some gospel good news? Jesus is available and accessible. He doesn't cut himself off. He is not available to some people, but then closed off from other people. Amen? And so here, the opportunity has a leper approached him in every way, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Lepers were outcasts. Love the fighter verse this week, didn't you? For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Those are words of great initiative, aren't they? Do you know this for your life? I mean, we talk about lepers and leper colonies, but do you notice um, what, what is going on here is obviously a physical disease, but what's the spiritual implication? Leprosy is a physical disease that represents what, y'all? Sin. I mean, leprosy is as close as we can come in physical terms to, to articulating what happens to the soul because of sin. Cut off, unfeeling, isolated, lonely. And so we begin to huddle up in sort of sinful leper colonies, right? I want you to know there's a way out. R. Kent Hughes, in his a commentary on the Gospel of Mark, says, We can hardly imagine the humiliation and isolation of this leper's life. He was ostracized from society. He had to assume a disheveled appearance and cry unclean wherever he came in range of normal population. Think about how you would feel while shouting at a grocery store at the mall the pervasive sense of worthlessness and despair. All that to say how remarkable this first phrase is in Mark chapter 1 verse 40. And a leper came to him. And you know what's equally remarkable, maybe more remarkable that the leper came to him, is that Jesus didn't leave. Friends, for those who come in humility to Jesus, he does not leave. He does not withdraw. He does not say, not now. He does not say, can't handle this. He does not say, go somewhere else for help. He is approachable. He is accessible. He has come for this 
purpose. When everybody else, their first inclination is to take two steps back and start running, Jesus' heart, his affection, his compassion is he takes a step forward. And he came, he says he implores him, means he's begging him and kneeling, said to him, and that guttural voice, if you will, you can make me clean. So far again, we've seen Jesus ministering in the synagogue and in the home, but I want you to know that Jesus, his power is available. Here's how we might just say it simply, wherever you may be. Amen? Wherever you may be. It's one word in the original Greek, katharistostai. It's a great word, isn't it? You can hear the English word cathartic, right? Be clean. Be clean. We see Jesus' power in the next scene, don't we, of the paralytic. I mean, you talk about preaching that takes the roof off, right? Now, one of the things that I want you to see this is why we look at it this broadly. A leper, a paralytic, and a tax collector. A man with no friends in a colony, leper colony, a man with some friends but they can't help him out of his predicament, and then a man who's hated by everybody, the tax collector. That's what they go around saying all the time. He eats with tax collectors, right? So, so one who's ostracized by his condition, another who's ostracized by his profession, one who's got some friends who will help him, one who doesn't have anybody who can help him, and one who seems to help himself if he's like most tax collectors to the prophets. But do you see, uh, prophets of the tax collecting, right? So, so you see uh, wealth, no possessions. Broadly speaking, what are we seeing here? That no matter your condition, no matter your profession, no matter your economic status, they all have needs way down deep that no one can meet or help with but Jesus. We see the power of Jesus established in the leper and the paralytic and with Levi, who we know often better as Matthew. We go from a leper to a paralytic to a wealthy tax collector. So should we know, we can know this, that Jesus and the gospel are for all people. Amen? Jesus calls a man, Matthew, says, follow me, and he joyfully leaves behind everything to follow Jesus and tells everybody about it. Well, uh, we'll go into more detail, Lord willing, about this in the um, future, but just back to street level with the leper. I always love this. Every time I read it, I think about it. It's such a beautiful picture. Um, he went out, verse 45, and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. So we have a little bit of what we might call gospel foreshadowing in that when the leper comes to him, the leper is someone who is cut off and has to live in desolate places. And after Jesus heals him, it's Jesus who has to stay out in desolate places. So there's a gospel foreshadowing of the cross and that Jesus is willing to trade places with you. Has this happened in your life, by the way, that... Healing comes for the leper physically. Have, has this happened in your life where your soul has been healed of its sinful leprosy and the feeling has returned? Do you know what I mean? Has this happened in anybody's life? Things that you were blind to, deaf to, didn't know even how to speak about and were unfeeling about the Lord and who he is. And then Jesus, you came to him in humility and he said, uh, 
be cleansed. Be cleansed. And now you can see. And now you can hear. And now you can speak. And now when we open up God's word, it's not dead to you. There's a sensitivity from the spirit. Or maybe the picture of your life would be that, um, well, to use the physical imagery, you're paralyzed. What is it that calls spiritual paralysis? Well, sometimes it's anger. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's resentment. Sometimes it's hurt. But if you look at your spiritual uh, life over the last year, you'd say, I haven't really moved anywhere. I haven't made any progress. And you've got well-meaning friends who love you and care about you, and they'd go to the ends of the earth for you, but it's still ultimately Jesus, amen, that you need. Or maybe you've just tried to make the best of life. And you've worked hard and you've made some money and you're like Matthew and you're sitting there and you're like, life's okay, but somehow way down deep on the inside, I'm still so empty. Well, we see Jesus's power established, but we also see Jesus's purpose explained. What did he come for? Um, Mark 10, 45. Turn there with me. You're in Gospel of Mark chapter 2. Go with me to chapter 10. Verse 45. Mark 10, 45 in many ways, is the thesis statement of Mark's gospel. Anybody remember that? You were writing a paper in school, some of you still there. You always have a thesis statement, right? If you're writing a good paper, and then everything about your paper comes to support the thesis statement, right? Anybody with me? You're still tracking. Okay. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 is the thesis statement. That's why we've called this whole series Servant and Saviors on the basis of this verse. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. That is his purpose. And then you read through Mark's gospel, what we've been reading this morning, these three scenes, and his purpose is on display everywhere we look, isn't it? His power is established, yes, but now we see his purpose explained. Now you think about this for a moment. A leper has been healed, a paralytic has walked home, and the tax collector that everybody complains about has repented, left the profession to follow Jesus, and the response through these three scenes of the religious crowd is to what? Is to grumble, is to complain, is to be angry. You might have um, headings in your Bible, right, that kind of summarize what a section of Scripture is about to be about. You just think about how um, strange this process is or these steps are you got it above verse 40 jesus cleanses a leper jesus heals a paralytic jesus calls levi or if you wanted to give a heading jesus transforms the life of a tax collector and what's the next heading in your bible now, i'm not saying fasting is not important y'all but are we tracking together i mean can you imagine a leper's been cleansed a paralytic has been healed a tax collector has been called and redeemed and they want to get in the minutia of fasting. What does this teach? Remember last week we studied how to study the Bible. And one of the Bible study questions is, what does the scripture teach about ourselves? What does that teach us about us? We are some hard-hearted individuals, aren't we? I mean, let's get into an argument over fast. Well, why don't your disciples fast? We'll study that. It's important. I'm not making light of the scripture by any stretch, what Jesus teaches there. But you see, uh, why do your... The Pharisees come with this question. Why? Because the purpose of Jesus is not what their purpose was for Jesus. It's going back a couple of weeks. 
but just restate it. If you don't spend solitary, alone, prayerful time with the Lord, as we see Jesus does in Mark 135, very quickly your whole life will be about what other people say your agenda should be. Still learning that, right? So Jesus has a purpose for his life that does not sync up with the Pharisees, what they think his life should be about, and the response to that is grumbling. Now, friends, this might be helpful for your life. If you never hear anybody grumble about you, you're probably not walking in the footsteps of Jesus. If you don't ever hear somebody say, well, why do they do that? Your, your life in large measure should be inexplicable to people who don't know Jesus. Why are they doing that? Why are they going there? Why are they spending time with such and such? So grumbling, that's what Jesus means in large measure. The scripture means when it says, beware when all people speak well of you. If the Pharisees were speaking well of Jesus, what would that mean? He's just another in a long list of legalistic people who can bring no real healing or freedom. But Jesus isn't that. He's the son of man who came to seek and save the lost. His, his power is established. His purpose is explained. Make no mistake about it, friends. Jesus has come primarily to deal with sin. For if he heals us of all of our paralysis and all of our diseases, but does not forgive us of our sins, we are hopeless. We also see that his presence is enjoyed. Last point, we'll make it quickly, but it's an important point. His presence is enjoyed. Look here at verse 15, Mark chapter 2. As he reclined at table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. It's pretty straightforward, but it's worth pointing out that Levi was a tax collector who came to faith in Jesus, and then Levi started sharing the gospel with tax collectors. That's good news, isn't it? This is how the gospel works. The gospel didn't come to you to stop with you. It came to you so that you would be a vessel of the gospel as it goes to someone else, as the Lord works in someone else's heart. Here's a man who joyfully leaves behind everything to follow Jesus and then tells everyone about it. I think that's a good definition of a Christian, by the way. A Christian is someone who joyfully leaves everything behind to follow Jesus and then just as joyfully tells everyone about it. So here is the presence of Jesus enjoyed. Here's just a simple question. Do you enjoy the presence of Jesus? You know when you love somebody, we've talked about this on occasion, but talk about it again. When you love somebody, do you know what you love about them? Them! You love them. It'd be so strange if you said you love somebody, but I just don't ever want to spend any time with them. That'd be so strange, isn't it? Can you see a, can you see a progression I do think this is what's intended. That's why we're taking this broad overview. A leper, a paralytic, and Matthew. And now, now if we take the three statements of Jesus to those three individuals, I do think we can get a really good picture physically of spiritually what it means to follow Jesus. For step number one, got to be cleansed. Amen? It starts with, 
I have an issue. It is called sin, and it is death. Left unchecked, if nothing happens, I'm going to die in my trespasses and sins. I'm going to die spiritually unfeeling, unseeing, unhearing, unspeaking, everything about my life. I'm isolated. I'm alone, primarily because sin has separated me from God himself. So you have to be cleansed. Can I tell you this morning, on the authority of the word of God, if you're thinking that I could never be forgiven for what I've done, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Whatever you've done, wherever you've gone, it's not greater than what God has done on your behalf in Jesus Christ. He's going to the cross. The Son of Man came not to be served. You get it? It's not about paying him back. It's not about earning his favor. We can't. It's all about his grace. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. He's buying you back. It's good news, isn't it? He's buying you back. Friends, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Anybody here? That's ready to stand before the Lord and say, on the basis of my moral life, I have right standing with you. Mm -mm. Do you know why the leper came to Jesus, by the way? Because he was crystal clear about what his condition really was. Do you know when you're ready to be saved? you know where salvation begins? When you are crystal clear about what your condition really is. People who are uh, dead in their sins but won't come to Jesus are like lepers who walk around and say, well, it's really not all that bad. No, it really is bad. It really is bad. And so what we need, spiritually speaking, is what the leper knew physically. I have nowhere else to turn. I have no other options. And that's why it says the leper came to him. We use that phrase sometimes, don't we? A lot of times I hear it in the culture in a sort of a negative connotation. He had a come-to-Jesus moment. Well, can I tell you something? I had a come-to-Jesus moment. 11 years old. That summer camp. And someone was up there preaching the gospel, youth summer camp. And for the first time in my life, I saw myself as myself. Like I see myself of who I really am. My arrogance, my pride, my self-righteousness. I really thought I was better than other people. I wasn't a rebel. I was self-righteous. I was the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son who just thought I did everything right and was going to be somebody in the world. And then I saw myself. And you know what's equally good? This, this, is, this is from this passage. It's when you see yourself, but you also see Jesus. Now, that's when conversion can happen. Amen? It's that I saw myself for who I really was, and then you can see Jesus for who he really is. That's when you come to Jesus. The first step was You need to be cleansed. You know what is true, I think, by and large? A lot of people are trying to be Matthew, follow Jesus, and they've never been cleansed. So their whole experience of the Christian life is frustrating. It doesn't make sense because they've never repented. They've never said, I need to be cleansed. So so be cleansed. Then what do we have? You've got to get up and walk. You've got to get up and do something. You can't be stuck in the past, stuck in a paralysis of what you thought was going to happen isn't what's happened and you just can't get over it I'm, I say that graciously I say that as that's been true in my life so many times that I just had to have Jesus <laughs> through his word say it is time to rise and walk what you face has been a mess it doesn't seem fair it's but I am working all things together for good can you rise and walk and follow me see some people have have been forgiven of their sins if we want to think of it that way or, or, or you're saved but you're stationary. You're stuck. It's almost like you're paralyzed. So, so can you hear the same one who said, 
be cleansed is the same one who says, rise and walk. And then what's the third one? How are you going to follow me? You want to rise and walk out of the fear of man. I mean, fear of man is serious in our day. We're living in days that are different, right? And to identify yourself with Christ, it's a little different, isn't it? I mean, it's different these days, isn't it? It's not so beneficial at the school classroom, is it, to identify yourself as a follower of Jesus? It's not so beneficial at your workplace anymore, is it, to say, yeah, I'm following Jesus. I've counted all things lost, excellent, surpassing greatness of following him. But I want you to know that when all those wonderful statements of the scripture that we love and quote so much were first said, they were said in a world where it was costly to identify yourself with Jesus. So here's Matthew. I'll tell you what Matthew had going for him was a well-paying job and some security. But he, Jesus passed by, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth and said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And the first thing by implication that Matthew does is he throws a party, invites his friends so they can meet Jesus. Because when Matthew came to faith in Jesus, he saw Jesus as someone that everybody needs to know. So in conclusion, be clean. Friends, sin is leprosy of the soul. It is lethal and there is no healing outside of the outstretched hand of Jesus. Isn't that great about the leper? We'll learn from the rest of the Gospel of Mark that Jesus can heal without touching anybody, but he touches the leper, doesn't he? Outstretched hands, also foreshadowing that Jesus will stretch out his hands so that we really can be healed in our souls. Rise and walk. If you're a believer in Jesus, you do not need to be paralyzed by fear, by doubt, by apathy, by the fear of man, and follow me. What are the things that you are not leaving behind that need to be left behind in order to follow Jesus? might be your reputation. It might be your status. But those things are not worth comparing to the status of being a redeemed, obedient child of God. Stand together, and we're going to pray together, and we're going to ride into a time of invitation. We took the broad view. In the coming weeks, we'll look a little bit more intentionally and closely at some of these scenes. I'm going to pray with you, but on the authority of God's word, I'm telling you this morning, you can be forgiven. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. See, uh, the sin of uh, sins like leprosy leaves us unfeeling, but the word of God's more powerful. So perhaps this morning, I'm not asking you, do you regularly attend church? I'm not asking if you're a member of this church. I'm asking, have you ever been born again? Have you ever in humility come to Jesus and said, if you're willing, you, I believe you could make me the invitation is wide open this morning. In a moment, we're going to begin to sing. I'm going to stand. I'm going to have my feet planted right here at the front. If you'd have the boldness of the leper and just say, I'm going to pursue Jesus. It'd be my joy to pray with you here this morning. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus, but there is just something going on in life right now that has left you, that you're unmoving. It'd be my joy to pray with you about that. Maybe you want to seek the Lord on your own here at the front. Maybe you have a burden in your heart like Matthew that those you know and love would hear of Jesus. You may want to pray for them. It'd be my joy to pray with you about that as well. Father, thank you that we see the power and the purpose of Jesus. He is a healer. He is a restorer. He is a redeemer. He does not leave people where they are. He brings transforming power on behalf of those he loves. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that there is no one here today that believes they are beyond the reach of the grace of God in Christ Jesus. 
We cast that lie out in Jesus' name and on the authority of Scripture. Father, I pray for any believer who's here who's discouraged. Lord, that you give them a fresh perspective of Jesus. God, would you use this invitation time now for our good, that it will be prayerful, humble, and full of faith in Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.